Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures again with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel of the Kingdom of God. When did you last hear a preacher invite you to repent and believe in the Gospel about the Kingdom as Jesus invited His audiences to do at the beginning of his ministry and throughout his entire ministry as we read for example in Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 we've been noting also that in Luke 4:43 Jesus said that the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom the gospel about the kingdom was the whole reason for his ministry and mission that's the reason that God sent me Jesus announced in Luke 4 verse 43 and we noted in connection with that famous statement, Luke 4.43, that in the very next verse, Luke 5, verse 1, that preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is known in the New Testament as the preaching of the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is not just a synonym for the entire Bible. No, the Word of God means quite specifically the gospel message as it came from the lips of Jesus himself. We've been looking at the parable of the sower, famous parable of the sower or the soils, as it probably should be called, this gives us a marvelously illuminating description of what gospel preaching is all about. We've been seeing that Jesus was the great and first and authentic gospel preacher. He's the one who introduced the gospel to us, and he called it always the gospel about the kingdom. In Mark chapter 4, and we're looking at that version of the parable of the sower today, in Mark's version, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus presents himself as the great sower of the message of the kingdom, the great preacher of the gospel. Did you realize that Jesus is indeed the first gospel preacher? It was not Paul, as some seem to think. It was Jesus who first offered salvation to the people. But in this parable, as Mark records it, which is totally relevant to you, and me today, not all, according to this story, respond to Jesus' preaching. Jesus' point here is that not everybody who is exposed to the gospel message of the kingdom reacts with understanding and comprehension. In fact, only one of the four categories of people described in this famous parable of the sower actually bore fruit to maturity. Just as some of the seeds could not penetrate the ground, so the message of the kingdom is unable to penetrate our understanding in some cases. We do not grasp what Jesus was saying. Some do receive the message with enthusiasm, but even they don't persist with the Christian life. They are believers, but they are Christians only for a while. They are, so to speak, fair-weather Christians, but they don't persevere. They fall away from the faith. They were obviously, according to Jesus' teaching, true believers for a while. You'll find that in Luke chapter 8, verse 13, but they were unable to pass the tests of the Christian life and they abandoned the Christian gospel. Other seeds fell on ground which lacked depth of soil and they were scorched by the sun. These are Christians who wither away and do not bring any fruit to maturity. Others again are choked by the pressures of the present life and these overwhelm their faith. And again, no mature fruit is born. You remember how Jesus said in John 15, verse 6, 
that those who do not bear fruit as part of the vine, as attached to Jesus, who is the true vine, these people dry up and wither and are cast into the fire and burned up. There's no doubt at all that John here is recording the same parable of the sower in a slightly obscure way, perhaps, but nevertheless, there are very clear echoes of Jesus' famous parable of the sower here in John chapter 15. So John's report has a similar message about Jesus' preaching of the gospel. There are those who hear the message and respond temporarily. They are Christians for a while. They indeed embraced the faith, but they did not persist. All of this, of course, teaches us that the Christian faith is a race. You must begin and you must continue and you must end. And you end at the resurrection, which will occur when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom on the earth. Now Mark, in his record of the parable of the sower, in Mark chapter 4, remembered how Jesus had spoken of the one successful group, one out of the four groups, and this group brought forth wonderful fruit. So here's the clear lesson to be learned from this parable. Response to Jesus' gospel about the kingdom produces four types of result. The first category produces nothing. The second produces only the blade of the wheat. The third comes close to producing real fruit. But only the fourth category brings forth fruit to real maturity. As we have seen, Jesus explained that those who intelligently received his gospel message about the kingdom were the favored ones who had been let in on God's kingdom plans, his mysteries or secrets. The word secret there simply means what God is planning and purposing to do as he works out his great design for the earth and for human history. Now, God is working out a purpose on the earth which will result in a brand new world order coming on earth when Jesus comes back. That will be what Jesus called the kingdom of God worldwide. And it's for that kingdom that we pray, Thy kingdom come. Christians are privileged to know these divine secrets, provided that is we pay attention constantly to the words of Jesus. God is now preparing for that kingdom by inviting whoever wills to attach themselves to Jesus Christ by repentance and belief in Jesus' gospel message of the kingdom and also, of course, belief in his death for our transgressions and our sins. His death being the only way by which we can be cleansed of all our mistakes and our errors to set out on the race that leads to the kingdom of God. What Jesus teaches here in his famous parable of the sower or the soils may be summed up like this. Those who come to me with a sincere heart and a simple desire to know the truth, as the apostles learned it from Jesus, to them I will reveal the mysteries of my kingdom. In other words, Jesus allows those who earnestly seek the truth as Jesus preached it to be let in on the secret of what God is doing in history. God is indeed preparing a wonderful kingdom of God, the outcome of human history. And that kingdom is presented throughout the New Testament as the inheritance promised to those who have been let in on the secrets of Jesus' message about the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus meant when he offered his followers the promise that they are going to inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. Those who are listening carefully here to what Jesus said will notice that the meek are going to have the earth as their inheritance. You will notice a striking difference between Jesus' language and our own popular language about going to heaven. 
Jesus never offered heaven as a place removed from this planet to anyone. In good Jewish fashion, he promised them what all the prophets of Israel had promised the faithful, that they would be heirs to a wonderful new heavens and earth. The earth would indeed be the center of the kingdom of the Messiah. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said, they're going to have the earth as their inheritance. I hope you caught these precious words of Jesus, and I hope that they make sense to you. The earth is to be the scene of what many very confusingly call heaven. Heaven in the Bible is nowhere the destination of the dying, says a leading British Bible scholar of this century. He was right, and this is something that any of us may search out for ourselves in the Bible. We should always be good Bereans, like the people of Acts in Acts 17.11, who searched the Scriptures daily to see if what they were hearing was true. Let me point out to you that forgiveness, according to Jesus, is granted to us when we respond to the message of Jesus about the kingdom of God. Conversion comes in the Bible when men and women respond with understanding and eagerness to the message of Jesus as he preached it in Galilee. It is then, according to Mark 4, verse 9, that forgiveness is granted to them. Mark chapter 4, verse 9, adds a detail that we don't find in Luke's or Matthew's version of the parable of the sower. Mark 4, 9 notes that forgiveness is dependent upon our turning around and repenting and believing and accepting the message of the gospel of the kingdom. You'll notice that Mark calls this simply the word. Matthew remembered that Jesus called it the message or word about the kingdom of God. So the word and the word of the kingdom are equivalent expressions. Here then we see plainly that the gospel is the gospel about the kingdom of God. But we may shorten it and simply call it the gospel or indeed the word or the word of God. But the fuller and clearer definition is the word of the kingdom, as Matthew 13:19 records it. This, of course, was Jesus' gospel. And Christians, you know, claim to be following Jesus and his teachings. So we would expect, then, that in Christian writing and preaching and broadcasting, the gospel of the kingdom would be a phrase that we would constantly hear explained and expanded, since this was the favorite topic of Jesus himself. Mark remembered particularly that Jesus had said that the cares of this age, in Mark 4:19, and the deception of riches are a great danger for us. Do you see how Jesus divided history into two great periods? What he called this age, first of all, the present age, which is dominated by the rule of Satan, and then the coming age, which will be the reign of Jesus and his saints on the earth in his kingdom to be set up when he returns. Jesus is going to reign with the faithful believers of all ages. Prior to the coming of that great age of the kingdom of God on earth, we must exercise faith in the good news about that coming kingdom. And we must pray for the coming kingdom in the famous prayer, Thy kingdom come. Unfortunately, people, Jesus reported, become bogged down by the preoccupations of this present age. Mark 4:19, And so they are not able to bear fruit for the age which really counts, the coming age of the kingdom of God on earth when Jesus returns. That is the very simple scheme proposed by Jesus 
and by all the New Testament writers. Then Jesus warned about the dangers of being too involved with making money. Jesus referred to what he called the deceitfulness of riches. You remember that Paul echoed the same sentiment. Paul, who was the accredited agent of Jesus, later spoke of some who had pierced themselves through with many sorrows because of money. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. They had committed a kind of spiritual suicide because of their exaggerated interest in money. They had forgotten Jesus' exhortation to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all other needs would be supplied by God. You'll find that in Matthew 6, 33. A tremendous verse, by the way, that really deserves to be placed in a prominent place in our house, along with those other texts that we have attached to the fridge and so on. Seek first the kingdom of God. Are you doing that? Have you grasped the meaning of the word kingdom of God? And are you putting it as the first priority in your life? We leave you to reflect on Matthew 6, verse 33. Our time is running out for today. Remember that Jesus was a Jew whose teaching must be understood in his own first century context. We must beware of reading our own assumptions and traditions and prejudices into the Bible. Write to us or call us for some free literature for your personal study at home. The telephone number will be given in just a moment. Join us again as we continue to probe the vital questions about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.